From the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Uh, if you have family or friends who can't watch the show, and I guess we're having some people who now the digital curse has come upon them, they're not prepared with, with transitioning, and so uh, we encourage you to make that transition so you're able to get the show uh, through the digital changeover. But uh, if you have family or friends who can't watch the show live on television, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch it streaming video from anywhere in the world. We welcome our video archive viewers. We welcome our dish viewers, our home audience, our digital, our uh, streaming, uh, whatever it is. We welcome you. Great to have you here. How's your personal Bible study? Are you informed on the Word of God? Join us each week Sunday to examine the Word of God verse by verse. We're in the Book of John right now, and uh, that's Sunday afternoons from 2.30 to 3.30 at the University of Utah. We're pretty strict on the time. And then uh, we're at Logan, Utah State, Sunday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. All are welcome. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information. We also meet on Wednesday nights, the Ezekiel Project. You can learn all about that uh, happening in Ogden area uh, at www.calvarycampus.com. <clears throat> So how is the Lord working uh, through all this? What are some wonderful, marvelous stories? Well, we get them all the time, and I'm sorry we don't share them all with you, but I personally have one that touches my heart. Nearly two years ago, we had three women, a grandmother, a mother, and her daughter, come to Calvary campus and start just attending verse by verse. All of them uh, were or are married to a Latter-day Saint husband, but these women were Christian and were having some difficulty in and getting the husbands to see the light, so to speak. So they just took on this attitude, well, we're just gonna trust in the Lord. As time went on, the youngest, the daughter, uh, her name is Kara, she and her husband, Brandon, who was LDS, well, Brandon started kind of coming along too, and uh, he gave his life to the Lord and had a radical change. Brandon and Kara were unable to have uh, children by virtue of um, every test possible, things just weren't working out. So. They went to the Lord, and at, uh, in a miraculous uh, event, they were able to um, adopt a beautiful son who the birth mother invited them in to watch born last week. Here's a picture of Eli born into their Christian home now. Not a home split by religion, not a home split up by Mormonism and Christianity, but this young man is... Um, <clears throat> going to have the blessing of two parents who love the Lord. 
And you can see this picture. It says, for this child I prayed, for Sam, Samuel 127. And so we welcome him into as just a uh, heartfelt, open story that just lifts us up. You know, babies always do that, don't they? Us old people don't do much for us, but those babies always change things. So we welcome Eli into this world. Over the next few weeks, we're going to make a major push in two areas that have suffered greatly in our ministry. One is our answering your emails, and two is getting the book out to you. We apologize profusely for our uh, ministerial inadequacies, but we will uh, hang in there. We will be getting back and getting that all set up in short order. Because we have been covering the Mormon Mountain Meadows Massacre for the past month, we've received some critical emails from people. Some say the Mormon Massacre is in the past, just let it die, why cover it? Others have brought up new complaints uh, to the stage. One man who writes me, he calls himself The Man, uh, wrote, If you're going to criticize Mormons for Mountain Meadows Massacre, you should also point out that the so-called born-again evangelical Christians have had more than their fair share of atrocities. For example, transatlantic slave trade. Not a lot of Mormons involved in that one. Slavery in the U.S., succession from the United States, still our bloodiest war yet. Jim Crow laws and segregation, 30 years war. Evangelical ministers and preachers provide a justification and cover for these atrocities. The evangelicals talk about the Danites, but what about the Ku Klux Klan? You had to be an evangelical Protestant to join the KKK, and the KKK committed a lot more atrocities than the Danites ever did. By their fruits you shall know them. The fruits of evangelical Christianity aren't any better than the fruits of Mormonism or Catholicism or anything else except for maybe communism and Nazism signed the man. Well... I would be the first one to admit that bad religion and bad religious people have truly done some extensive work of evil in the name of God, uh, even self-described Christian people included. However, there are some major differences between the man's illogical comparisons between the Mormon Mountain Meadows Massacre and the horrible actions uh, of other religious individuals. First, any Christian donning a pointy white hat and joining the KKK or anything resembling such banality is not, listen closely, is not in harmony with the Christian manual. Okay? Uh, whatever action these people choose to take on their own, that is their, that is their action independent of what the Word of God teaches, and it's on their head. However, the Mormon Mountain Meadow Massacre was done in accordance with their manual, which is the choice to follow their religious leaders who promoted and condoned blood atonement and its temple rites that suggested to the Latter-day Saints that they had to avenge the blood of the prophet Joseph Smith. Do you see the difference in that case? <clears throat> Secondly, and this is very important, when you say, <clears throat> excuse me, the evangelicals, Mr. Man, to whom are you speaking? Anyone could be tossed into that vat called evangelical. I don't consider myself an evangelical Christian. I don't have a title. I am certainly a Christian. But no Christian is a Christian by virtue of an affiliation to a party or group, an organized uh, religion or society. I can be a Christian Democrat. I can be a Christian communist. I can be a Christian Republican, a Christian tattoo artist, a Christian banker. I can be Christian and never attend an organized church. I can never be baptized by somebody who is another Christian, never belong to any religious institution. It's all based in Christianity on an individual's personal relationship 
relationship with God through Jesus, not their earthly affiliation. The same cannot be said about Mormons. All right. To be a Mormon, a person must receive the Mormon baptism. They must attend the Mormon church. They must recognize only the Mormon prophet. And the LDS themselves would be the first to suggest that a real Mormon has to follow the, all the Mormon rules, which not only include things like the word of wisdom, but receiving their extra biblical books, and most importantly, follow the direction of their assigned leaders. The comparison of evil deeds done by the extremely broad title of evangelical Christians and the acts done by the narrowly applied title of Latter-day Saints is not a good one, Mr. Man. Slavery was, slavery was not instituted by the evangelical Christians, but it certainly may have included some deluded people who claim to be believers in Christ. The point is there is no single evangelical Christian ruler or leader telling believers what they must think, what they must believe, what they must do, but there is in Mormonism which is what makes the organization and the deeds it does so reprehensible and frankly dangerous even today. Remember, it wasn't some offshoot group of Mormons gone bad that killed the women and children in Mountain Meadows. It was the active, faithful LDS bishops and stake presidents. It wasn't the bad seeds of the faith who practiced polygamy, polyandry, spiritual wifery, and murder. It was the faithful Mormons who believed their written doctrine. That's the difference between the evangelical Christians who get involved in atrocities, they're not following the manual, and the Mormons who get involved in the atrocities, they are following their manual. So the comparison is absolutely ludicrous, it's ridiculous, and you don't deserve that name, the man. No, not at all. All right. Finally, before... We have a prayer. I would like to ask the LDS viewers a question. Actually, three questions. What do you expect me to do? What would you do? And what did Jesus do in a similar circumstance? Here's the scenario. I was raised LDS 40 years, tried to comply for the most part, learned, tried to embrace, tried to share it with others. But I discovered something that is not just an opinion. Understand, this is not an opinion. It's not a perspective, but it's a cold, hard fact. You ready? If Mormonism is true, then the Bible is false. Or if the Bible is true, then Mormonism is false. This is an irrefutable fact, okay? And I discovered it. There's no hedging on it. Every true Bible scholar knows the doctrines are absolutely different. Now, in light of that, I repeat my questions to you. What do you expect me to do? What would you do with this fact? What did Jesus do in a similar situation? Would you expect me, having taken the time to examine the Bible and to compare it to Mormonism, to just quietly walk away? Is that, that's what you kind of say I should do. All my family is still primarily following this non-biblical religion. I have 40 years of friends gathered up in this religion, not to mention everybody who watches this show who's trapped inside these teachings that claim to be biblical but are not. What, is that what you would do? Would you just quietly walk away? Suppose that you are diagnosed with cancer and you found a cancer treatment center that was highly recommended, spotless in its appearance, and just the friendliest darned institution around. 
So you go to the cancer center and you expect to receive treatment and to be cured. And over the course of time, you somehow discover that they're not treating your cancer, but it just appears that they are. Instead of chemotherapy, they're giving you sugar water pills. And instead of radiation, they're just burning your skin with sun lamps, okay? What would you do about that if you discovered it? Would you get angry? Would you take action and try to expose the lies of this chemotherapy center? Would you take the time to let thousands of people going to the center go in there and receive these false treatments? Or would you just walk away? Just quietly walk away because you discovered it was false. And what would you do if everybody in your family somehow developed this cancer too? And they heard about this treatment center and everyone you loved went in there to receive this treatment to save their life. Would you just stay quiet and not say a word? My situation is no different. You all think I ought to just walk away quietly with the facts that I have discovered, not allowing the people I love, but millions of innocent people to continue to trust the claims and practices of this religion. What would you think if in your efforts to expose this faulty, false uh, cancer treatment center, if the president of that cancer treatment center got up and referring to you said, they can leave the treatment center, but they can't leave the treatment center alone. <laughs> and if you try and tell me there's a significant difference between a cancer treatment center and a religion like this, I would completely agree. Because a cancer treatment center is only dealing with a body. But a non-biblical religion is messing with the eternal souls of the people who trust it. And what did Jesus do in a similar situation where uh, his truths were being offered by the religion, altered by the religion of his day? He came in swinging. He absolutely loved those people who were under the sway of the religious rulers, but he went straight to the throat of those faulty religious leaders who perpetuated lies in the name of God. He cleared the temple with a whip. He told the operators that they were children of Satan. If Mormonism is true, the Bible is false. If the Bible is true, Mormonism is a fraudulent lie. Now you're in a position to choose how you'll respond. Will you choose Mormonism or it can never be an and, or will you choose to study and search and follow the word of God? Will it be Joseph Smith's word or will it be God's word? We pray you'll choose God and his word over man's. That's what we do. That's what Jesus did. What will you do? And with that, let's have a prayer. Lord, uh, I can't take the hat off because my hair is such a disaster underneath, and you understand that. So uh, I love you, we love you, and we pray your spirit with us now. As we talk about these things and open up the phone lines, we pray for our audience here, our audience everywhere, wherever they are in the world, that the message will come through loud and clear and that we'll be able to talk about the things that are important to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tensions in the Utah Territory begin to remount after the passing magical holiday season they experienced three months after the Mountain Meadows slaughter. Under the pressure cooker of a pending U.S. invasion, Brigham Young's theocratic reign of bloody control continued to fall heavily upon the saints who would not or could not tow his strong, strict line. In February of 1854, four months after the Mormon massacre, President Buchanan called for four additional military res uh, regiments to march toward and against Utah. This produced an increasing pressure on the people who lived in the Utah Territory. It was time for all Mormons to gird up their loins and prepare for what Young believed was the beginning of the end of the world. 
One story that comes forth from this time and from this tension was that of one Henry Jones who was discovered, quote, lying with a whore. Several persons, all LDS, including the rumored presence of Porter Rockwell, dressed as Indians, entered his house, dragged him out of bed, and castrated him by, quote, a square and close amputation. What Je and then we have to say, what did Jesus do with the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? And what did he say to her, and what did he suggest those men holding the stones do? Young was confident that he and his saints could battle it out with the coming U.S. troops, and he kept an arrogant and uncompromising attitude against any request for peace until, until he received word that his backup escape plan to the north had closed up and failed. This single event demoralized Brigham Young, and he quickly reversed his course and began making concessions for a U.S. peace proposal. A new governor was assigned to the Utah Territory by the name of Cummings, and Young brought him in and essentially made him his own puppet. When Cummings informed Brigham Young that part of his job as governor was, looking, was to look into the damned atrocity of Mountain Meadows, Young convinced the newly appointed governor that he should, quote, trust the whole matter into his hands, which Cummings did allowing Young to keep the facts of the atrocity out of the public eye for quite some time. In the meanwhile, Young realized that he had to capitulate and let the U.S. military enter the territory, something he vowed he would never do. Bagley writes, quote, As usual, the prophet blamed the failure of his millennial hopes on the Mormon people. On March 28th, Young preached, quote, Some may marvel why the Lord says, Rather than fight your enemies, go away. It was because many of the people are so grossly wicked that if we were to go out and fight, thousands of the elders would go into eternity and women and children would perish, end quote. In the words of Bagley, Brigham Young believed that, quote, God had selected corrupt U.S. leaders to rule them because the LDS people were so wicked and would not hearken unto the Lord. Within Mormonism, fault is always on the individual, and it never, ever is upon leadership, doctrine, or LDS praxis. On June 26, 1858, U.S. troops marched, marched through the temporarily deserted capital of Salt Lake City before finally settling 40 miles west of Utah Lake at Camp Floyd. Bagley reports that Young fell into a state of strange silence and seclusion which strongly intimates that he had entered into a profound state of personal depression. You see, Brigham Young, in my opinion, but Bagley closely replicates this, he wanted a war. He wanted there to be a war, but only if he could win. With no Prozac available in Utah at the time, Young reacted by bolting the doors of the Beehive House and surrounding the walled mansion with guards. For six months, he hid from the public view, never appearing in the streets nor on the balconies of his mansion house. Even Pioneer Day passed by without celebration. Young did not appear in public from June of 1858 until December, and only then when he was compelled to com appear in court. There, writes Bagley, he appeared with a, quote, careworn, melancholy expression. <clears throat> Captain Jesse Gove succinctly summarized the outcome of the so-called Utah War. Listen to this. He said, wounded, none. Killed, none. 
fooled everybody. Where the federal government announced uh, that they were going to trounce Young, they soon discovered that there was little they could do in the territory without his approbation. Yet at the same time, Young, hoping to lead his armies into the mother of all wars and establish the Deseret Territory as the theocratic center of the universe, he simply shrank into a state of demoralized antipathy, the end product of having failed to rule the world or usher Jesus back into that same role. With the tables cleared of soldiers on both sides settling into a state of inept activity, there was now time to investigate the murders of the Fancher-Baker atrocity. From the position of clean, living, strong LDS families, many Latter-day Saints today do not understand why so many non-LDS have contempt for the Mormon faith. I would suggest that one of the main reasons, even today, that lingers is the Mormon Mountain Meadows Massacre. From California to New York, newspapers picked up the details of the event, some of the details true and some not, and told the nation how the innocents of Arkansas were butchered by Mormons disguised as Indians. As the stories flew, voluntary militias of men formed around the West, packed with anxious people yearning to enter into what they called a Mormon war. It's one thing to kill a man, it's another thing to lie to that man and set him up and kill him, but it's a whole different ball game when you do the same thing to women and children. It was unconscionable. Such uprising and the press led the citizens of the United States to call on the government to investigate what was considered at the time the single most monstrous deed ever carried out on American soil by its citizens on its citizens. On March 18, 1858, the Mormon massacre became the subject of debate in Congress. All sorts of people offered their opinions on how to investigate the atrocity, including Senator Sam Houston of Texas. Meanwhile, Young's resolve returned. Bagley writes, quote, Theologically, the prophet refused to give an inch. His profound belief in the millennium remained unshaken, even if its imminence required recalculation. The return of Christ, the Mormon conquest of Babylon, and the triumph of the kingdom of God were merely postponed until the saints and the Lamanites were worthy to usher in the end of time, end quote. Puppet Governor Cummings issued a statement with, to help ease the fears of American immigrants who wanted to pass through Utah to get to California and other parts of the country. He said that if, quote, while passing through the territory, we would not talk their religion with them, pass through quietly, do not argue with them at all, or meddle with their religious views, we would be safe. I would suggest as we travel deeper into this 21st century with its accusations of hate speech flying everywhere and restricted expressions of speech on the rise, we will re-experience a revival of such advice relative to the Mormons, that we will be okay if we just not talk about their religion with them, pass through quietly, not argue with them at all, or meddle with their religious views. Apostle George Albert Smith, who was thought by many to be the actuator of the massacre, returned to southern Utah to do his own investigation. He provided a report that stood as the official LDS response for more than 10 years thereafter. It resolutely blamed the Indians, who he said were exacerbated, exasperated by the immigrants poisoning their well at Corn Creek. Apostle Smith claimed that the citizens of Cedar City heard about the assault and they sent men to investigate. 
but they were threatened by the Indians who uh, told them, don't get involved. Apostle Smith, Apostle, Apostle Smith, reported that finally LDS leaders Damon Haight went personally there to stop the fighting. But by the time they arrived, everyone but a few children were dead. Juanita Brooks called the Apostle, the Apostle, the Apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ Smith, report, quote, a deliberate attempt to befog the affair and direct attention away from any possibility of Mormon implication. Looking at the apostles today like Dallin Oaks, it seems the job duties of an apostle of the Lord haven't changed much. Enter two appointed officers of the federal government, Justice John Cradlebaugh and Indian agent Jacob Forney. Forney's first job was to collect the surviving children. He went south to get them and was told by an LDS member, Hamblin, that all the children were taken away by the Indians. Forney was a pretty cool dude. He took out his pistol, pointed it at Hamblin's head, and said, Pro Produce, we need some help. Take off his uh, headset. Take off his headset. Help him down. Don't restrict him, just help him down. Uh, our cameraman is having a, a seizure. It's okay, Michael. Let him lay down. Let him, don't restrict him. Hold on just one second. Just let him relax. Just let him, re let him lay down. Will someone please pray? It's okay, Michael. Uh, our cameraman and helper is a uh, horrible epileptic. And um, right now he's having a very bad seizure. So um, we just want to take a minute and pause while he relaxes. I'm going to say a prayer, and I hope you pray with me. This time I'm taking the hat off. Lord, we uh, ask you to be with Michael and uh, help the, your healing power to come in and cure him and uh, help him to recover from this bout. And uh, we love you, Lord, and we need you in situations like these. And um, we just pray that you'll be with all people who are struggling like Michael does and that they will receive their peace and confidence through you. So it um, sounds like he's doing better, Lord, so we thank you and praise you as we continue on with the show. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. It seems Michael's doing better. Thank you for your prayers. Um, just to let you uh, know, we're going to open up the phone lines. That's uh, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. If you're LDS, we would really prefer that. If you, We would prefer first-time callers. And uh, we would prefer that you have your question or comment, accusation, or whatever it might be, ready. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to go to a, a brief update on the Partners Program, which helps us stay viable and alive here on the air. So let's go to that spot. Hi, beginning in late April, we let you know that our ministry was in some financial difficulties and we established the Heart of the Matter Partners. We want to thank you for you coming alongside of us. We are about a third of the way there with people coming in and giving their support through prayer and uh, emails and, of course, financial contributions. However, 
Uh, we are about one-third uh, of the way there. That means two-thirds of the way remains. We want to invite you to come alongside and partner with us. It gives us long-term viability. It gives us easy sustainability to progress the show. We're not ending in uh, June, thank God. We are progressing forward in the ministry, but we need your help still. So why don't you go to www.hotm.tv if you're inclined by the Lord, or call us at one 868 4686 and partner up with us. Now, if you can't be a partner, that's fine. If you want to just offer prayer or whatever you can do, we appreciate it. We love you and we thank you. We're back. Michael is sitting up. He's recovering and uh, doing well. So we pra praise God and we thank you for your prayers. Um, we're going to go to Paul in Salt Lake City. He's a first time caller. Paul, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes. Uh, hi, Sean. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, I want to thank you for your ministry. Um, you have been uh, an inspiration to me as I've watched it over the past few weeks, and uh, I want to thank you for it. You're welcome. Thank you, Paul. Uh, secondly, I, I just want to let you know I'm I'm active LDS uh, Temple recommend holding return missionary, married in the temple, uh, born again Christian. Wow. Um, awesome. <laughs> Praise God, man. Thank you. Uh, agreed. Um, and I'd love to chat with you about my, my story. Uh, it, it, it started a long time ago, but, but the, the real, what brought me to Christ in, in, in a way like no other has been over the past uh, three to four months. And I'd, I'd love to, to, to share that with you sometime and, and meet with you for lunch or dinner or breakfast, whatever. Anytime. Uh, Sounds great. Uh, hey, I think. Can you give us kind of a, 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 a I know it's really hard, a sure. 30 second kind of synopsis of the key points that, that brought you about, Paul? I've always been a fairly open minded Mormon, but active my whole life. I, I'm, an air, I'm a military brat. Uh -huh. so I've met great Christians all over from Fairfax, Virginia to Hawaii. Uh, and I, anyway, so I, I had that perspective. Um, but essentially, what what brought me to where I am now, I have to thank uh, Gordon B. Hinckley for, because he told me to watch the Frontline PBS series about the history of the church a couple years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. And in that was the first time I ever heard about polyandry, and it punched me in the face. I couldn't, uh, I, I about fell over uh, wow. when, I, when I heard about polyandry. That was the start for me that allowed me to be open to the idea that this could possibly be wrong, and I may not know everything that there is to know. Wow. So that was the start for me, and the rest, the rest came in a flood like it does to, to everybody once you're open to that proposition. Oh, so, oh that is so awesome. Uh, you'll be in our prayers. Please email me and I will, or call me. Call the station. Uh, I, did have one, I, did, I did have one question for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, uh, because of this, and I'll... I'll Personally, I'll go through this with you later, but basically from what I've gone through, if, if I do uh, come out very strongly with what I know, I will, at present, I will lose my family. Um, so I have decided not to do that, and I've decided to stay in the LDS Church, um, and I feel a sense of mission because of my chosen environment that I'm staying in so that I won't lose the influence I have with my family, right. to preach Christ from within the LDS Church and help them gain a, uh, a strong witness of the daily grace and the daily saving mercy offered to us by Christ and try to eradicate the emphasis of personal worthiness, which is unattainable and psychologically damaging, um, 
and try to influence from within. Maybe some of those that have labeled you an apostate and won't listen to you, but from them perceiving me as an active LDS, I might be able to get some influence with them. Yeah. My, my, my question is, what would you advise me to help me stay patient with my wife and with church members as I, as I witness of Christ within, you know, within the LDS church for now? Well, let me first comment on what you plan to do. We receive a lot of criticism for supporting such plans. But I've been there, Paul, and I understand what you're doing. And I understand that once the Lord has made a residence in your heart, there is no amount of participating in Mormonism that's going to affect you. So I, I, I praise God for your resolve and being willing to listen to Him and guide you in this endeavor. The second thing is, is I cannot stress enough, and I'm sure you already know this, that the more you mirror and, and show Jesus in your life as a man to your wife and children, and avoid the arguments and traps, they will see this, this living change in you and the grace that's living through you, and they will come and start to wonder. And then it will open up a, an amicable door where you can talk and discuss and share with them. So my best advice, uh, mirror, emulate Jesus as often as humanly possible. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Look forward to chatting with you. Thank you. God bless you, Paul. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're going to John in Salt Lake City, first-time caller. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. This is John. Hi, John. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to kind of make a comment that, uh, you know, I know that there is some, uh, there's bitter past. You know, a lot of religions have bitter past. Even Moses is guilty of, of doing away with a lot of people in the name of God. But then there is the power of forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is mine, saith the Lord. You know, we have to forgive everybody. Yeah. But, uh, he doesn't have to, he, he, he can choose who he forgives or not. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I also uh, gave myself to the Lord when I was 12. I was raised a Presbyterian. And uh, I read the Book of Mormon for the first time in 1973 while I was in the San Mateo County Jail uh, for possession of marijuana. And uh, I'm a big believer that, uh, that uh, the, the, the war against the plant kingdom needs to end also. <laughs> and that uh, the church, I know, has been behind uh, supporting laws against the herbs, even though Joseph said wholesome herbs are for the, for the use, nature, and constitution of man, even though the FDA and the, the drug companies are doing all they can to suppress the use of herbs and deny the use of them. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, anyway, um, i just uh, been listening to you for a few weeks, and... Uh, I know you got a lot to say. Uh, I am LDS at this time. Uh -huh. I was excommunicated for 10 years uh -huh. because I refused to deny that I would never use substances again. Uh -huh. But I, my goal was to make laws against them go away so uh -huh. I could. Hey, because, uh, uh, John, have you uh, read our book? No, I haven't read your book. Can, can... I have read... Uh, read a lot of books. I've, I've, I'm a, I, I was a big fan of Edgar Casey material. Uh -huh. I, I, I taught a class in reincarnation at one time because I do believe in previous mortal existence and, and uh, the fact that I met a man in 1979 that I, I uh, had a dream he was the reincarnation of Joseph Smith. And when I told him, hey, Wayne, I had a dream you're the reincarnation of Joseph Smith, he said, you're the third person that's told me that. Wow. Hey, uh, you said Wayne. Listen, can we... Wayne uh, Ajo, Wayne S. Ajo, he died in 2006, but can, he was known as Mr. U UFO in uh, Tacoma and Seattle. 
Can we, uh, can we send you our book? If you stay on the line, the operator will pick up, get your address, and we'll drop one in the mail to you. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. And uh, you know our rule on the show, don't you? You cannot smoke guns before calling. You know that, right? I, I don't. Uh, I had to quit because I, I believe it's following the law of the land, and I'm in a state that uh, it's a felony to possess herbs. I came from states that allow for medical marijuana. All right, my friend. Thanks for calling. Don't, don't do it here. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Boyd and Eagle, Eagle Mountain, first-time caller. Boyd, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Boyd. I'm already on. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, you, I'm on Heart of the Matter, but you're talking to somebody else. Is this time uh, delayed or what? No, you're on Heart of the Matter, and you're on the air. Oh, on the air? Yeah. I'll be darned. Uh, it's, it's amazing how that works. It is. Do you believe in ethics? Ethics, yes. You know, I, I was in business for a long time, and uh, I learned ethics to be ethical, you know, uh -huh. and for your competitors, you know. Uh -huh. Better not to say anything about them. Uh, let it take care of itself and uh, do your own thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, is that I, what ethics I, are to you? Well, ethics to me is, is uh, yeah, I think so. I think that uh, God's created everything, okay, in the beginning. He created everything in its entirety. Consequently, uh, uh, all people and all religions, including yourself, has uh, definitely uh, taken your own egos into different things. All churches, too. And you're building a church by bashing other churches. You know, I, I, maybe you don't call it a church. Yeah. But, but what you what you call yourself, I don't. I, I don't really know what you call yourself. What would you call but, me? Uh, I would just call you a very brilliant person. A very what? brilliant person. Well, I like you more and more every every minute we talk. But you're very brilliant, and I think that you could do do more by living the life yourself and, and, uh, and you know, like uh, living like Christ would have lived. He wouldn't have been on the air bashing up the people. They Boyd. He'd work with the Holy Ghost. Boyd, did, exactly. you hear my, did you hear my example about the hospital that wasn't ethical? That was that was deceiving people and saying they were giving chemotherapy and saying they yeah, were doing right, right. But Sean, listen, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's to be said that everybody knows that there are false people in this or in the Mormon Church. It's been there. It's not the people. It's Let not me the... ask you one question. Okay. Okay. Do you know where uh, where the Masonic orders got into the Mormon Church and how they got there? Do I know how it originated within Mormonism? Uh huh. I believe I do. Well, give me your answer. Well, I believe it came through Joseph's brother, Alvin, and his father, who were members before Joseph was. And then it happened when they, uh, then it really became foundational when jo Joseph went through the Masonic Lodge and received all the things in a few days. And then he came up with the temple ceremony not, not more than 30 days later. Okay, you're, you're pretty well right. Now, let me ask you this question. Who was it that took him through, that took them over there and took him through the temple? Who was it exactly? I don't know. I thought it might have been Alvin and his dad. Who was it? <laughs> it happened to be a general of the United States government and a colonel. And the okay. general was the head man of the Masons in the area. Okay. Okay, so what does it tell you? It tells me that it doesn't, doesn't tell me anything of who took him through. Well, what I mean was they took, he took 50 to 100 men across the river over to the Masonic Temple. Joseph and the men that weren't members had to sit outside the temple and wait while they went in and put together the secret council of 50, which were all Masons, not all Mormons. Okay, okay but Boyd, what is the point, though? 
the point is that uh, there's things that happened with the Mormon Church, okay? Right from the beginning, this thing was to happen that you're doing to it. Because if it's true, you know, about the two powers on Earth, the powers that knows the power that's going to tie the hands of Satan knows that, and he's going to work very damn hard to stop what's going to be doing it. So you go back to the beginning. Now, the question is to be the Book of Mormon. Everybody says, well, they wrote it this way, wrote it, you know. Where does it really come from? Well, you know, we are we are covering subjects that have taken us months to address in a in a five minute conversation and trying to hold an audience's attention with our conversation. So I while I I uh, uh, agree with some of the things you're saying and the points you're leading to, this is not the avenue to be able to explore all of it like that. Uh, well, I, that's what I mean. And your avenue to do what you need to do isn't on that show either. You're a very brilliant man. You've got a lot of knowledge. And you need to do it, I feel, in, in a way that uh, will walk with Christ the way he did in the beginning. You I know? think he did it this way, uh, uh, Boyd. I really do. And I he, think walked with the whole, he worked with the power of the Holy Ghost and, cre uh, ghost and created the miracle. And, okay? he, and he, told the, he told the Pharisees they were children of Satan. And he didn't back absolutely, off at all. Absolutely, but you're not Christ, okay? But aren't we supposed to follow him, Boyd? And you're not his mouthpiece either, okay? I don't think I am. I think that well, I'm just a, a sinner just saved made by that grace. Statement. You, you gave me the opinion that you are what you just said a minute ago. You like you're supposed to do what he did, tell the people. About well, we are supposed okay. to do that. See, this is the this is the interesting thing. <laughs> I I think you're very smart, but I don't think you and I think you're wise enough to know what I'm telling you, okay? Well, boy, I think your ego's got you. I think you uh, you you probably imagine you're somebody you're really not. Boyd, and, Boyd, and that's good, you know. Boyd, I, I'm just telling you my opinion. I know you're just telling, and you know what you're doing. You're doing the very thing you're accusing me of doing now. You are you're voicing your negative opinion about me, and you're telling me not to do the very thing that you're doing right now on the air. So well, I mean, uh, how can I, I trust your opinion? You anything what to do? What I'm saying is, it, the facts go back, and if you follow Boyd, from the beginning down, you'll see why all these things have happened. Boyd, I think I've done that. I think I've that's looked. It. Listen, thanks for the call, man. You take care. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, we're going to Sandra in Henderson, Nevada. First-time caller. Sandra, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, Sean. Um, oh. I have a question for you. Yes, Sandra. I was watching, um, I was watching BYU TV on Friday, May 22nd, and Robert J. Matthews was giving a talk on that channel. The title of his message was Christ, Savior, Son of God, Resurrection, the Ultimate Triumph. And he said something to the effect that animals, too, will be resurrected, that they have a soul, and that Jesus died for their salvation, too. Is this an LDS belief? And yes. Is it biblical? Yeah, it's LDS. Certainly it not biblical. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything like that, huh? No. Uh, I okay. think there's some lost manuscripts that talk about the resurrection of the frog. But, uh -huh. uh, no, I'm just totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, but Joseph, I mean, the guy, he would pull out anything. Such an entertainer. And yeah, and so Robert Matthews was embarrassing himself and talking about resurrected animals. Now, I'm going to hurt some of the feelings of animal lovers out there. Don't be angry. Well, I love animals too, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, can yeah. you imagine every single cockroach and, and rat being resurrected? And yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a different purview. Right. Good call, okay. though. All right. I just, just, I thought that was off the wall when I was watching that, and I just couldn't believe it. Thanks so. for, <laughs> thanks for bringing that to our attention, Sandra. All right. Okay. Thanks. God bless. Bye bye. Bye.
Okay. We're going to Susan, first time caller in Salt Lake City. Susan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Um, last week you promised us that you were going to uh, call the church headquarters on Tuesday. Dang. Don't believe me when I, when I make promises. <laughs> I'm not... I, I, you know, I actually thought about doing that, and it just escaped me. It's not that I'm afraid to do it. I'll call them. I oh, just... Brad. I've waited all week. I, you know what? Response. Please send me an email and just in the t byline say, please call the church headquarters today and I'll remember and do it. I, I, I thoroughly look forward to doing it. Okay. So well, this we week. we look forward to seeing if it comes to pass. Okay. I'm going to really try this week, Susan. Oh, good. Stay tuned. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. We're going to Zan in South Jordan. Zan, I, only, I know someone named Zan. Is it you? It's me. What are you doing, Zan? <laughs> I am just calling. I felt inclined to call and make a couple of points really oh. quick. Yes, ma'am. You need to go quickly. First, God bless you. God bless you. Um, thank you. And secondly, um, I just wanted to give a plug for, um, you know, supporting Heart of the Matter in any way a person can, whether it's prayers, money. Um, it's an important show, and uh, one of the reasons it's so important is um, I was there. I'm an ex-Mormon, took my name off the record, returned missionary, went through the temple, all that stuff. <laughs> and um, it can uh, really shackle a person's soul and, uh, and hurt them, and I don't want that to be the case for my brothers and sisters out there. Awesome, man. This show is important because I care about people. I care about their, I care about my fellow human beings. Yeah. And also about the dress. The comment about the dress, your dress last week was just, I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, this is, this is Mormon thinking, uh, yeah. as I know it, to think, uh, you know, uh, you have to have some kind of a dress code to please God. Yeah, And this exactly. is why it took me so long. This is one of the reasons, these superficial rules, it took me so long to be reconciled to God and to find a Christ who was, as you said, the most radical, the most beautiful, the most uh, uh, knowing and unconditionally accepting of a person. Absolutely. I, I have friends that uh, wouldn't judge me for my dress. And uh, Christ is my best friend. Amen. And he never, ever judge me for something like that. And he looks on my heart, he looks on my soul, he's there to heal me in each instance of my life. And he's there for all the Mormon viewers, the ex-Mormons, he's there for all of us to Amen, Zan. Hey, I, I really appreciate your call and your support, and, and I also want people to know what a lovely person you are and your family, your entire family. Uh, love them, and uh, God bless you, my sister. God bless you. I'll Have see a good night. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Kevin in Lehigh, Kevin L. says, What is the problem with another book of Scripture? The Book of Mormon is a solid piece of inspiring religious literature. Why not ease up on all the dogma and just let people enjoy it? Draw, draw to Christ is the uh, paraphrasing what he said. First of all, there's so many things involved in that, Kevin. The Book of Mormon is a 19th century piece of fraudulent fiction. Okay, It is a fictional book. And it is plagiarized by at least 
at least eight different sources that I can think of, if not more. It's a plagiarism. It did not come from God's mouth to prophets in writing on golden plates handed to Joseph Smith, who translated them by looking into a hat with a rock. It didn't. And, um, and so that makes it problematic right from its foundation, okay? And, and then uh, it's an introductory drug to Mormonism. Joseph Smith tried to compile this fictional work as an authentic book of scripture, and he tried to make it as close of a replica as he could to the Bible. So the LDS people will say, the missionaries will say, here, read this book and, you're, and, and pray to God to see if it's true. A lot of it's taken from the Bible. You read a lot of things about Jesus in it and you say, wow, it must be true. And so if you buy the Book of Mormon, pretty soon you are ah, buying the Doctrine and Covenants, which talks about having plural wives and ah, the uh, Pearl of Great Price which talks about God once uh, being a man and, uh, and, and, and all these other fictional things in the book of Moses, re the Genesis rewritten. So it's an introductory drug. Before you know it, you're cutting your throat and temple rites. And, and, and you're, you're saying you're going to do this and that. So it's a horrible introductory drug to the group. Uh, and I want to ask you something. What, isn't the Bible enough? You're always saying, why can't we have, or you say, why can't we have another book of scripture? Isn't the Bible enough? I mean, I pour through that thing every morning, as uh, literally every morning that I can, and I can't get through it. I can't, I mean, I've only gotten through the thing twice, and it is, that is after a lot of years. Isn't it enough? You see, what Joseph Smith, and I suggest that the worst thing Joseph Smith perpetrated upon humanity was telling them they could not trust the Word of God. It wasn't his polygamy. It wasn't his all that other humbug. It was him telling people, you can't trust the Word of God. Why? Because when he could tell them that and they believed it, then he could say, but I've got another book that you might consider. And uh, there you go, you know? And so it's used that way. And that's why you don't accept it. Even if it does teach good principles. Les Miserables, uh, Norman Denny translation is a phenomenally inspiring book. Victor Hugo was a Christian, had Christian heart, and I love that book, but not a book of scripture, okay? There's just a difference, so that's the danger in it. Let's go to Jason in North Salt Lake City uh, on line two. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, this would only be really, really, really quick. Hey, okay, I got some things really quick. Okay, it should only take 30-something seconds. Number one, my first question, it's out of the Bible. Out of uh, discussion with a friend who said that we were debating who was greater, man or angel. And I read Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11, that man was lower than the angels. Number two, um, does Babylon come back in Iraq? Number three, this thing with the dress code, you know what you should do, and this should really make confused people, wear a cross, but wear it sideways. Not, and when people, because people still ask, like, why are you wearing it sideways? Just say heaven's above us and hell's below us, so I'm in the middle. And my fourth one is, um, you ever done um, uh, research on food in the 1800s? They used to put morphine in some foods. And, Did you eat any of it? Um, what? <laughs> Just totally kidding. And so uh, let me ask you something, Jason. Mm. You're, you got the answers yourself by looking in the Word about angels and men. Your question about Babylon, was that a question or a comment? Um, it's a question like, there's supposed to be two asteroids that ends up hitting the Earth in the future, and one of them, it says, they'll hit and strike down the old Babylon. Is, and, you know, we're over there in Iraq. Yeah, you know, I am totally lost on the, uh, the, the two meteors. I, I, I don't... Or Earth 
Silkworm and Sandwood or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still lost. Uh, I'm not really good on eschatology end time stuff, but uh -huh. uh, I'll check it out. But, Sean, wear a cross sideways. I tell all the viewers out there to wear a sight. A I just like it kind of the way it is, you know? No, then the Mormons will get mad. They'll get confused and be like, what? Because in Catholic... In Catholic religion, they believe that upside down is evil, and Christians believe it upwards, and wear it sideways, so then you can tell people, yeah, I'm in the middle. <laughs> All right, Jason, thanks for the call. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. What is in the water tonight? All right, we're going to Jonathan in Tennessee. Jonathan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hey, Sean. Hey, Jonathan. Um, I just had, a, like, two questions here. Okay. Okay. Um, first off, the recent, or I don't know how recent, but the founding of the Book of Jeranek or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Um, just one quick question with that. If um, the Book of Mormon was supposedly another testament of Jesus Christ, why in the world would um, there be a further testament called the Book of Jeranek? Well, the Book of Jeranek, uh, there's no question that the thing's a hoax. And so, I, you know, I need... Th that, that's good thinking. Why would there be another one? Yeah. All right, I just had to point that out. And um, also, I have another question. Um, yeah. Do you so, think that, like, like, whenever... Like, the reason that it's so hard for some Mormons to, like, get out of Mormonism is because it's kind of like being in prison for a while and having, like, an ins like being institutionalized or something? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, afraid of leaving? Sure, you get fed your meals, and and yeah, I mean, you know, not literally, but the whole thing—it's all encompassing. A very good point. Yeah, I think that's true. Good points, Jonathan. You watch the show streaming video out there, or you watch the archives? Uh, I've been watching the archives a lot. I was watching it streaming, but I walked out of the room. That way, I wouldn't be having any like audio interference or anything. I see. So, all right, my um, friend. Thanks for calling. All right. Okay, bye. Thank you, man. You keep on doing with the show, man. You're doing a good job. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Okay, uh, bye. I'm I'm having I'm having trouble clicking tonight. I just can't seem to click in with my callers. Yeah, it's, I don't understand what's going on. Okay, let's go to Tina in West Jordan. We're gonna see if this one. The first caller was great with Paul and everyone else. I know you're doing well. It's me. It's all me. Uh, Tina, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh my goodness. Hi, Sean. Hi, Tina. Um, God bless you. First of all. I thank you. I have to tell you that Boyd just totally upset me. Boyd uh, did? Yeah, he did. How come? Because, well, because he started talking about how you need to look at the beginning and find out where things came from, and then he talked about how masonry got into the temple. Well, what about when the Bible was written two thousand years before that? Yeah. That's the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So that. You're doing a good job, and I have a lot of anger, and my husband doesn't understand it, and I have yet to get over it yet. Toward, uh, toward the Mormon church? Yeah. How long have you been out? Um, well, I haven't gone to church since I was 14. I'm 43. <laughs> Quite a while. You're... But my family is avid. Yeah. And... Did you say rabid or avid? Avid. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that really creates a lot of angst and anger, and especially when people are constantly whispering and, and wondering why you're not active and 
they give you the superior kind of perspective thing. So you hang in there. I think the best thing is uh, just take all that anger kind of literally in your mind. Take it and hand it to God in prayer. I will. Just take, will. keep doing it, Tina. I will. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Okay, bye-bye. We're going bye. to Jessica in Rexburg, Idaho. Jessica, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, uh, really quick, Sean, this is a question for your caller last week by the name of John. How does he know with there being over 200 sects of the LDS Church once you combine FLDS and mainstream that his church is the true one when each one is proclaiming they are the only true church on the planet? And how does he know that his particular prophet is the true one? And then once you throw in the book of Jeronach, it really gets confusing. <laughs> um, and I want to make a comment, too. I really believe it's the church and not the people. Um, and that was, a, I believe, a female caller last week that said, hate the people, not the church. Oh, yeah. So, you know what? John has a response to that. I'd love to hear it next week. Hey, great call. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, her point's well taken. You know, the church always says it's not the church. It's not the church. It's the people that will offend you. It's the people that will hurt you. Anywhere you go, it's the people. It's the people. It's not the people. I mean, yeah, you have cultural issues and you have some people. People are strange in every group. So that's not the problem. It's the church. The church has taken good-hearted people and tweaked them. So it's not the people. You guys have it reversed. She makes a really good point. And the other point she made which is really valid is we had a caller last week who said, look it, I know this is the true church. This is the true church. And her point is there are 200 sects or offshoots or branches off of Mormonism. How do you know they're not the true one? How do you know the people who followed Brigham Young out here aren't the false one and the people who followed Joseph uh, Smith III uh, back in Missouri aren't the true ones? And how do you know the Strangeites aren't the true ones or the Morrisites aren't the true ones or all these other breakoff groups? It's a really good question. So, you know, when they try to lay claim to the truth, say, well, why do you have it and not these other breakoff sects? Listen, join us next week. We thank you for your concern and prayers over Michael. He's doing well. And... Uh, the heart of the matter is uh, really blessed by your participation and uh, by your prayers, by your support, by you uh, just keeping us and telling people about the show. Many, many lives have changed because the Lord's blessed the ministry and because of your sharing it with other people. Please continue to do that. We love you. We keep you in our prayers. We're going to try to answer your emails and get those books sent out. Until that, we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Yeah.